going into place. We're going to be talking about leprosy, all kinds of awesome stuff. We're going off of scripture in 2 Timothy. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a peace, love, sound, disciplined mind, all these wonderful things he has given us. Because right now there's a lot of fear out there in that world, but with God, pretty much a walk in the, walk in the park, easy stuff. And so We've got a fun-filled day. We're going to have bounce houses, ice cream, free food. We've got a skit going on. But we need help. So I don't know if you guys got the text. If you're, if you're not on our text, mass text group and you want to be, you know, let me know. Um, no, we don't hammer you with 25 text messages a day. It's just for communication purposes and stuff like that. But you can come see me. I'll help you get signed up on that. It's a great way to stay in touch. But we need your help, and, and we need bodies to help manage kids. I would love to see 100 kids there that day. That's my goal. Maybe I'm unrealistic, but that's my goal. But obviously 100 rowdy little guys like this, yeah, like that, we need some man, uh, manpower to keep that contained. Otherwise, we could lose the whole building real fast. So, no. But we just want people to help manage the, the different things. Don't worry, we're not going to ask you to teach or anything like that. We've got those people to take care of that. So don't worry about, oh my gosh, are they going to make me do this and make me do that? We've got something for everybody. We need just people to help manage the place, make sure the toilets aren't getting plugged. Because you know kids like to use 42 feet of toilet paper. Those of you who have kids, you know what I'm talking about. So there's just things like that to take care of. So (laughs) Micah still does. It's it's (laughs) a constant problem. But... Anyway, so we just need bodies, and we have something for everybody. So I don't care if you're young, you're old. I don't care if you don't even like kids. We still could find you a spot. So, And I think this would help you like kids. But ultimately, we're going to preach them the salvation message. We're going to give them the gospel. We're going to give them the word of God. We're going to give them hope. We're going to give them the, the sound mind that God promises in a world that is full of fear and things of that nature. So we want to bless these kids. I don't think you want to miss out on this. You want to be a part of it. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer on that countertop there. Put your name on there today because we want to start working that list together. August 7th from, it starts, we're going to open the gates up at 845. Obviously, we might have to have a few of you here a little earlier than that just to help manage. And it's over at 2 o'clock. So, and there's really not going to be much for teardown at all, putting away. The bounce houses will be taken care of by the people that ran them to us, all that stuff. So it's going to be a very simple day, but it's going to be a very powerful day. So be a part of that. Get signed up before you go today. On Back to that lively, chatty bunch that you are this morning. we got a little message to share with you before we do worship. And fortunately, we don't have Abe this morning. So make sure you tell him I said that. But we're going to do, we're going to do worship on the screen this morning, we got a couple songs for you. But before we do that, we got a message that Pastor Hank shared, a little portion of his message we want you to hear about who we are to be as Christians and as those that worship our God. So check this out. Tonight, and uh, a lot of great things coming up. Okay, <laughs> Acts chapter 2. I want to talk about a return to Pentecost, and I want to specifically talk about it was noised abroad. And uh, you say, well, why are you wanting to pick that out? Because if we're going to have a return of Pentecost, we need to go back and see what happened on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. That was the birthing of the church. Now you say, what do you mean church? No, we weren't talking about a birthing of a denomination. 
We're talking about when Jesus told him to wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He told them to do that, and they waited there 50 days. And as a result, when the day of Pentecost came on the 50th day, it was, it was not only a pivotal event, but it, it was the birthing of the church. And I want you to see what happened, and why do we need a return of that kind of outpouring of the Holy Spirit again? How many of you have ever been around dead, dry, boring, lifeless expressions of God and His church. Not here. But how many of you ever been around it? How many of you ever been around it? How many of you that you thought that was the way that things were supposed to be? Didn't you think that for a while? Hey, this is the way, this is the way church is. But if you go back and you look at how the church was birthed, you will see that what we have as a pattern through the ages is not how God intended it to be. Now, that's not saying that you cannot and should not have a time of reverence. People will always quote, be still and know that I am God. But you know, there are less scriptures that talk about being quiet and being still than there is being noisy, being expressive, lifting up your voice, dancing, clapping. So it's amazing to me how uh, religion has taught us to be reserved when it comes to God. And they take a few scriptures and they make that as their, their basis on why you're not to have any expression. But I want to ask you a question. Wasn't there some, some women there at, at the time of uh, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Sure, look at Acts 1 verse 14. Think about this. Peter gets filled with the Holy Ghost and he's not quiet. He speaks out and confronts the culture, confronts the people. But what about the women? Look at Acts 1, verse 14. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And the women, Mary, even the mother of Jesus was there. So Mary is a tongue-talking saint with the glowing halo. Amen. Look at what happened to Mary. And the other ladies. They were part of what happened. Look at Acts 2, verses 12 through 13, out of the American Standard Version. Look at this. And they were all amazed, the people, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, saying, These have had too much wine. How many know they were including the women in it? Others began to mock and said, They are full of new wine. So, ladies, it wasn't just the men that were acting all like a bunch of fools. The women were too. Amen. And this was what the church was about. Come on. Loud, expressive, noisy. People thought they were crazy. Come on. This is how the church was supposed to be. People laughing. Come on. Talking loud. How many have been around a drunk? But you're actually supposed to praise like the children. Did you see them up here today? Some of these kids moving, doing their own moves, inventing them, right? Inventing their own moves. How many of you ever... Come on, you all know you invent your own moves. When nobody's watching, you have danced in your bedroom, your house, thinking that you can dance better than the ones that are out there. I know you have. I discern the spirit behind it. But watch. So they confronted Jesus, the religious spirit. 
They want it nice. They want it quiet. It, it, it got to their comfort level. So what? You bother me. <laughs> Who did Jesus defend? Watch. Jesus says, but he answered unto them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, these very rocks or stones would immediately cry out. Now, Amen. Surely come 
great awakening this is our revival anthem
Glory. I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, greet somebody on the way down. Amen. Maybe seated. Just a couple quick announcements. We'll have prayer Wednesday night at 7. Brad talked about Jesus Day. We not only need people, you know, to help with the kids. We need people to help with food. We need people to set up, tear down. We won't make you clean toilets. That's what we have Mike for. (laughs) He's good at that. One night at night to shine, the toilets just went. And and that's what he took care of. So don't worry about that. So anywhere you can help, we'll just sign up. We'll get you plugged in. And and the number one main thing we need you to do is get kids here. Invite kids and get them here. Um, The next announcement is, I don't know if you pay much attention to what's going on, but there's this critical race theory that they're trying to put in the schools and all this just stupid stuff. I don't know all every detail, but I know it's sick, it's perverted, and it's ungodly, and it's wrong. And it's time for Christians to stand up. Now, this Thursday uh, at the library, uh, this Thursday, June 24th, at the library from 6 to 7.30, there's a gentleman that will be speaking about that. His name is Matt Innes. It will regard the Nebraska Department of education, their perversion standards, and they ask that people only 18 and older attend, but the more people we can get there, that convention of states, that one meeting, there were over 350 people there, and it got Senator Flood's attention, and things moved from that, so it, it takes us getting involved, taking the step, and just standing up for what's right, and standing what's against wrong, the word of God says, if you love God, you hate evil. So we got to do something about it. So make sure if you can attend that, just just your body being there helps. So um, that is Thursday, the 24th, 6 to 7.30 at the library. If you have your Bibles, open to Jude, the book of Jude. It's right before Revelation. And just keep it open. We'll get there. The next few weeks... Everything goes as planned. I'm just going to take a couple minutes and talk about the Holy Spirit. I was raised in Monroe. My mom attended the Methodist church because it was the only one in town. My dad didn't go, and I preferred to go with him. But she made me go sometimes. But right in the middle of the charismatic revival, when I was about 14 years old, they had a big revival service at the Methodist church in Silver Creek, Nebraska. And I got a couple of my buddies, and, and we went. And I got saved, and they got saved, and just radically saved. There was light and day, night and day difference in my life. Well, in the method, if you're familiar with the Methodist Church in Monroe, anyway, they had the three, I call it the three-year shuffle. No minister lasted there much more than three years. I don't know if it was the Methodists just having mercy on them because they couldn't make it in Monroe much longer, or whatever. So the revival when I got born again was in March. And in May, we got the new ministers. 
and they were an older couple, not really socially graced, but very nice people, very good people. And they weren't there very long, and I just perceived in, in whatever my innocence at that time that they had something that I needed. And so they weren't there very long couple weeks maybe, I hopped on my bike, rode to town, went to their door, knocked on the door, said, I got saved a couple months ago. I'm missing something. There's something there I know more, and I don't know what it is. Talk about a setup. I walked in. They invited me in. They told me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They prayed for me. They said, in the middle of the night, you'll wake up speaking in tongues. I didn't know what tongues was. I didn't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. But I went to bed that night, and I woke up in the night, and I was praying in tongues. And that's all I knew. And it just went from there. And one of the most misunderstood subjects in the Bible is the Holy Spirit. And why, I don't know, is because people are have had wrong teaching or no teaching concerning it. And it talks about, in the scripture, state to Jude, we'll get there, but in Acts 2, and, and Pastor Hank was just talking about it, we'll take it from there. In Acts 2, verse 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you, to your children, and to all are afar off as many as our, as our Lord God will call. And then, when the, when you receive the Holy, see, I didn't know any of this. Everything, it was just, just learning by experience. And they didn't have a lot to teach, teach me. They didn't know much more than I did because it was all new in the Methodist church in Monroe, Nebraska at that time. But it talks about the Holy Spirit as your teacher. And he will teach you things. And he did. He just, I spent time with him. I'd go out on the canal banks or into the shoulder belts and just pray in tongues. And I didn't know, but he was teaching me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so when you're filled with the Spirit, there's the evidence of speaking in tongues, but everything God does, there's a purpose for it. God doesn't just do random stuff. There's purposes for it. And there are two primary functions for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. One is the private function. One is the public function. We'll talk about the public later. Today, we're going to start on the private because that's where I started on the canal banks, in the shoulder belts, just praying in the Holy Spirit. And that's the number one thing. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Praying in tongues is to your spirit, man, what lifting weights at the Y is to your physical body. It is for the purpose of building yourself up. Every time you pray in tongues, it's just like going to the gym and pumping weights. And and we live in a society, in a Christian church, of a lot of weak, wimpy, wussy Christians, and that's why, because they aren't praying in tongues and building themselves up in their most holy faith. We live in a faithless generation because they aren't building. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing is by the word of God, but you build up your faith by praying in tongues because you are a spirit man and it comes out of here and that's what needs to be built up. And it doesn't have to be the loud, 
the boisterous, it can be. That's more the public side. But in the private, you can get alone and just pray in tongues. And every time you do that, it's just building you up, building you up. Your mind doesn't know, but that's part of trusting God. But your spirit man knows. And it gets built up and it's more sensitive to the things of God. And the nice thing is, you can you can pray because your mind isn't so involved. You can pray while you're driving. You can pray while you're mowing. You can pray while you're lifting weights quietly. I didn't know this for years. I just found this out two months ago. Micah said when he was in kindergarten and first grade, they make him lay down and rest. He says, I never slept. I just laid and prayed in tongues. That's awesome. If any place your kids need to be built up and strong, it's in the public school system, is it not? And I don't care what the government thinks. You can't keep a kid from doing that. So let's go for it. Let's teach them. But we need to know ourselves. So in Jude, the book of Jude, verse 20, there's only one chapter, verse 20. This is what he tells us. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. One of the biggest mistakes people make when they exercise their bodies is they haven't done it for 12 years and they go out and they think they're going to run six miles. They exhaust themselves, they beat themselves up, and they never do it again. And it's the same thing with praying in tongues. Don't start out the first day praying for 12 hours. Start out with five minutes. Maybe another five minutes later. Build yourself up to 10 minutes, to 20 minutes, to whatever it is. But exercise, build yourself up in your most holy faith. So the Holy Spirit is a good gift from God. Use it. We are going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. I want to thank you very much. We blessed Mike Plain. He blessed us. We blessed him. We sent him away with $4,000. That's big for a church our size. We appreciate it. 2020, while you're filling out your envelopes or, or doing whatever, 2020 was a dividing point. More and more I'm seeing this. It was a dividing point. Either, either people moved into fear selfishness and greed or they went the other way and got into faith and now is the time not to be weak it's not the time to be selfish it's not the time to be greedy now is the time to be full of faith strength courage and generosity and god will bless us and will be a blessing ushers you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings Amen. All fathers stand up. You're a father. If you don't know you're a father, then sit down. (laughs) Lift your hands. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. Now be a blessing to your wife and to your kids. Praise God. I'll tell you what, it's a good time to be alive on planet Earth. It's a great time to be a born-again, spirit-filled believer. I like what my wife said, it's not a time to be weak and wimpy. See, stand up. That's what I look like on the inside. Sit down. That's the truth. And stand up. Twice of what he is. is No, her. <laughs> it's a time to be strong. It's a time to be bold. Amen. Look in your Bibles to Esther. I realize this is Father's Day, and you know, I know some of the fathers are probably with their family, and that's all right, but I'm glad you're here. I want to read to you, because a few weeks ago on a Wednesday when I was praying in tongues, <laughs> I, the minute I, before I even sat down, the words came up in my spirit for such a time as this. Well, I knew where that was. That's in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4. And I want, I want to read this to you. Of course, the Jewish people were about to be annihilated. And uh, there were some wicked people involved trying to do that. And of course, Esther had a relative named Mordecai. He was a very wise man. And he took... And raised, basically, Esther from a young girl. She was an orphan. <clears throat> and she was a hottie. You know what I mean by that? She was drop-dead gorgeous. But she also was spiritually astute. She had wisdom. And those were two characteristics that God used to help save the Jewish race at that time. So here... Her relative Mordecai is telling, basically telling Esther, you need to deal with this and help me. So let's pick up in verse 13. It says, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so we started this mini-series by looking at three words. Number one, you. And then we looked at the word time. Today we're going to look at the word kingdom. And I want you to see... And I'll read this to you. I didn't put it up on the screen, but let me read just this central truth to you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You young people, you listen to me. God has a plan for your life. And don't you forget it. You and your family have an important part to play in this new season. Harvest Church has a corporate responsibility and you 
and I have a personal responsibility, now listen, to focus on, say focus on, fight for, and fulfill your spiritual destiny. You have to focus on it. You have to fight for it. Amen? And then you need to fulfill it. God wants you and I to be aware of our times, our opportunities, and our destiny. So, say this with me. (coughs) I have a part to play. I must discern the times and seasons of God. I must see the big picture, which is the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, let me just review quickly, and then we're going to talk about kingdom. We said, you and I have a part to play like Esther. We all have a destiny to fulfill. Destiny simply means that which is predetermined and sure to come true. Your your destiny and my destiny is found in Jesus Christ. Bottom line. Your destiny is tied to God's thoughts. Knowing God's thoughts or God's word and making decisions according to what he thinks will help you fulfill your destiny. He says, for the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord of hosts, are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, a hope, an expected end. Fulfill your destiny. We said there are three keys to determine your destiny. Number one, if God planned it for you, it will happen. I'm here standing behind this pulpit today because it's my destiny. God planned it for me to do that. And I'm here today. Amen. Number two, God gives us unique gifts and talents. And your destiny is tied to those gifts and talents. Esther was talented. She was beautiful. She was wise. She understood authority, the right authority. Amen. Then we said, you need to remember God's timing. First Chronicles 12, 32. It says, Ishakar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Another translation says, these leaders knew the right time to do what needed to be done. Ecclesiastes 8, 6 says, a wise man heart Heart discerns both time and judgment. We gave you another scripture in Daniel. This is a good one. Chapter 12 and verse 10. The unrighteous won't have a clue about what is happening. Those who live wisely will understand what is going on. The remnant church today, and I'm part of it. How many of you are part of the remnant church? We understand. But I want you to understand, there's a, the rest of the churches out there, they don't have a clue. They're caught up in what's being, you know, spoken on TV, news stations. They're listening to the wrong voices. They believe the man in the White House is the president. He's not. He's illegitimate. Now, <laughs> I, I realize this. You, you need to pray for the man. 
Amen? You need to pray for him. And, and, and I see that's scriptural, yes. But do not recognize his position. It's illegitimate. But the other one's coming back. I said the other one's coming back. Isaiah 33, 6 says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. Knowledge is facts. Wisdom is understanding how to proceed based on those facts. Noah had the facts about a coming flood 120 years before it happened. Amen? But he didn't know what to do until wisdom came and said, Build an ark. Build an ark. We all need that wisdom today. We have facts, but we need to be discerning to know when to act, when to take that step of faith. Amen? Noah did. It says, by faith, in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of these things, not yet seen, moved with godly faith. Fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Noah discerned the times and seasons and prepared. Esther discerned the times and seasons of God and prepared. You and I as believers, this church corporately, must take personal responsibility to prepare spiritually and prepare in the natural for the greatest outpouring of God's Spirit we've ever seen. And I'll tell you what, you know, Hank talked about how, how, how many of you have ever been around the dry, <laughs> you know, just dry, everything's dry. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to dry. I want to experience the flood. Amen. Like we had a couple years ago, but spiritually. I don't ever want another flood like that. Unless our carpets wore out. Then we'll have a, I'll ask God for a flood. <clears throat> by faith, Harvest Church, let me say this. By faith, Harvest Church, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared their hearts and prepared in the natural for a harvest of soul, souls and God's glory. And that's where we're at as a church. Now, I want to go on and talk about kingdom. Two people, Esther and Mordecai, were used of God to save the Jews. Two people. Well, let's give God number one, three people. Threefold cord is not easily broken. And we think at times the devil perches up here and says, You're too old, you're too young, you're too dumb. You don't have what it takes, and he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He'll sit there and remind you of your past, the way you used to be, what you did, the trouble you were in, and he always harps on you about that, and you just need to tell him where to go, back to hell. You can go to hell. See, I do that just to get rid of religious spirits in here. You need to tell the devil to go back to hell. Leave me alone. You have no place in my life. You're not going to fulfill your destiny thinking about the past. You're not going to 
fulfill your destiny, you know, concentrating on and being focused on about who you used to be. You need to know who you are now in Christ. I need your picture, Gunnar. I'm going to put it on my bathroom. I'll get, I'll get Micah, too. Don't be offended, Micah. I need that on my mirror, so when I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror now, and I think, dear Jesus, I got growths, hair coming out where I shouldn't have hair coming out, you know, and I'm, if I could just take all that other hair and put it up here. But I need to remind myself, I need to remind myself of what I'm like on the inside. I'm young on the inside. And that's what you need to do. You need to see yourself in Christ, the way God made you. And he's got a, a wonderful future for you and I. Amen. Now, your destiny and my destiny, we need to fulfill that because it will advance the kingdom of God. We have a part to play. Esther saw the big picture. Esther saw the big picture. She was thinking, she was kingdom-minded. She was thinking of her people. Not just the fact she could be queen. She could, you know, live in, in a palace and have servants around her for the rest of her life. But she took a chance. Because she just wasn't thinking about Esther. She was concerned about her people. See, why do you come to church? That's the problem with the church all these, the, the past years, few decades. They're concerned about their image. They're concerned about making sure everybody is happy so the money will flow. And that's not right. It's all about kingdom now. And, and, Boy, that needs to be taught. That subject really needs to be taught in the days ahead. We need to be kingdom-minded people. Not just thinking about us. You know, this church. You would be surprised through the years how many letters I've gotten from other churches in this community asking for money. And where do those letters go? Now, Salvation Army, that's another story. Don't, Amen. We've got to help. What? Orphan Grain Train. Wonderful organizations out there. But denominational churches asking me for money. They must know I'm a man of faith. They must know you're a people of faith. <laughs> but it's sad. People, churches and people just concerned about their own little programs and not advancing the kingdom of God. See, that gentleman up there, that preacher up there, Hank Kuhneman, is cons he's kingdom-minded. Always has been, always will be. And you are who you hang around. So your destiny will advance his kingdom. It's his kingdom, not your kingdom kingdom. God places people in strategic positions to advance his kingdom purpose. Kathy and I were strategically 
positioned in this city way back in 1983. That's a long time ago. Sandy and I are, and Larry are the only ones that remember that, 1983. Mary Jane, I guess, yeah. That's a long time ago. We were strategically positioned, just like Esther, just like Mordecai, and so were you. It's time to be strategically positioned for the days ahead. That's why I look at new faces. Oh, thank God for new faces. New blood, fresh blood. Not there's nothing wrong with the rest of you, but it's because you have a part to play. And you've got to figure out what your what part you're doing. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, just do something until you find out what you're supposed to do. Don't just sit there and think, God hasn't told me what to do. Get off your butt and clean the toilet. Well, I ain't coming back to this church. Pick up sheep droppings outside a church or in the sanctuary. Wash a window. Change a diaper. Sing a song. Do something. Because it's the ones that will take the initiative to do something before they even realize what they're called to do are the ones God will give them something to do. If you're faithful in a little bit, you'll be rewarded much. Amen? Now, there's, there's kingdom characteristics. And I'm going to go through these quick. You don't need to look up the scriptures. Maybe I'll have you look up a few. I want to talk about kingdom. The kingdom of God is spiritual. The remnant church understands that. The rest of the church doesn't have a clue. They don't have a clue. And it's sad. It's a spiritual battle. Amen. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 6. I'll have you look there. Ephesians chapter 6. You know this scripture well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It's a spiritual kingdom. We fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weaponry. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. See, the remnant church has stood and will continue to stand. While the rest of the church is running around naked. They have no clue about their spiritual armor. And you can't win a battle unless you know your armor. That's why we've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So the kingdom of God, it's a spiritual kingdom. Number two, you need to seek it first. Say that with me, seek it first. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. He has to be first. Jesus in this hour must be first in everything. Now, there's a scripture in Colossians 1.18. Let, let me read it to you. Just save time. Let me read it to you. It says this. In verse 17, it says, And he is before all things of Jesus, and in him all things consist. Verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, everyone say all things, not, not some things, not a few things, but in all things he may have the preeminence. I like that scripture. Preeminence means dominance. It means superiority and rank. It means simply this. First in everything. When you go wake up in the morning, he needs to be first. When you go to bed at night, he needs to be first. You, I find myself talking to God and thinking about God more than I ever had in 30 plus years of ministry. I talk to him just like he's right there. I drive down the road. doesn't make any difference anymore because all everybody does that. They got their phone and they're just talking. You're not crazy. So you're, you know, you can just sneak in there and they'll just think you're on your phone. But you need to talk to him, fellowship with him, love him, honor him every day. He needs to be first. Not you. Not your marriage, not your mate, not your job, not your kids. He needs to be first. If he's first, then everything else will fall in line. Amen? Number three, look at Acts 14.22. You you, I probably should have skipped this one, but I, I've got to read it to you because it's in the Word. Acts chapter 14.22. We're talking about kingdom. Esther saw the big picture. She was kingdom-minded. You and I need to be kingdom-minded. So we need to realize the kingdom is spiritual. We need to seek it first. Number three, we're going to suffer. Oh, that went over. We're going to suffer tribulation. Acts 14, 20. One, it says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, you ready for this? We must, through many tribulations, enter into the kingdom of God. It's imperative. He says, we must, through many, not a few, Many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That word in the Greek is interesting. It means pressure. It means stress. It means anguish. It means adversity. And here's, here's the best meaning for this word, tribulation. It means crushing. Squeezing like a wine press. Have you ever felt like that? Boy, I tell you what, I have in 
30 plus years of ministry, there are times where I felt, oh my God, I've been squeezed enough. I've had enough tribulation. I don't need any more of it. But the Word tells us, it's quite clear, if you're a born-again believer, you're going to go through some suffering. I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about you're going to have to deal with some things, some issues. That's why we need to fight for our destiny, focus on our destiny, and fulfill our destiny. We're going to have some adversity. It's not going to be easy. Kathy and I could tell you all kinds of stories about the great press. But that's what makes a man and woman of God is adversity. You young people don't wimp out. You're a coach wrestling all these years. You've had some good wrestlers. And you've had some that weren't good. There's just something about the ones. There's a spark there. They've got it. And they're going to make every effort to do what it takes to win. And that's what we need here at Harvest Church. We need people that can, can stand when the times get tough. And we've had people, bless God, Kathy and I have had people all these 30 plus years that have stood with us. Not always understood us, but they stood with us. And thank God for those people. Thank God for, for new people that come in. And it's different. It's a whole different atmosphere. Things are different than maybe what you, where you were at before. But if you hang in here, you'll get it. You'll catch it. It's the Spirit. It's the Word of God together. and It'll cause an explosion. Number four, you need to preach it. <laughs> you need to preach it. In Acts 8, 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So we have to preach the things concerning the kingdom of God. That's why we, we go in and we give you the scriptures. That's why I've been on revival. I've been on the Holy Spirit. It's kingdom. And that's what it's all about. Amen? Amen. So you preach it. Then you've got to pray for it. Matthew 6.10 Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're not so much praying it, you're declaring it. In fact, I declare it almost every day. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my ministry, in the people of Harvest Church. You have to declare and decree it. Have you noticed for, for a long time, things were kind of quiet, reserved. And now all of a sudden, there's some shouts. People are beginning to raise their voice. And that's why I played that today. Thank you, Caden, for doing that. Because the church needs to be loud. Now, that doesn't mean you have license to be loud all the time. 
then you just get into another ditch on the other side. You need, need a balance in everything that we do here. But we're in a season we need to speak up. We need to shout. We need to declare and decree a thing so it will be established for us and light will shine upon our pathway. So we need to pray it for it. So <laughs> this, this is the last one. You might want me to skip this one. Look at um, Colossians 4. I'm almost done. Colossians chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 11. Verse 11. Colossians 4.11, it says, I'll start with, yeah, start 11. And Jesus, who's called justice, these are, now this is what I want you to see. These are my only fellow workers. Say fellow workers. For the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision, they have proved to be a comfort to me. So, when it comes to kingdom, are you listening? You have to work. I could stay on this one a long time. You have to work. We're going to have to work here. And I'm so glad, and I'm sure some of you can say the same thing. My daddy gave me a good work ethic. How many grew up, you learned how to work? Some of you grew up, worked to survive. You need to apply that to a spiritual kingdom, what we're doing. You need to work. And I want to say one other thing. I want to add another word to that. We need to work together bottom line we have to work together say we need to work together these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God it's a team aspect look at Ephesians 4 I'll close with this Kingdom characteristics, spiritual kingdom, you seek it first, you preach it, you pray for it, and you got to work in it. In Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be what? Children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, say it with me, may grow up in all things into him who's the head Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the affecting, effective working by which what? Every part does its share. Every part does its share. Say that with me. Every part does its share. Now let's finish it. Causing what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You go throughout the Bible and you'll see great men and women of God. They were doing their part. But God would always provide the leaders with men and women that would work. That would do their share. And as a result, it would cause growth. David's had a group of men. They were called mighty men. Amen. They were called helpers in the war. Psalm 110.3, it says, Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. So, I'll go back. Just, just, just so you understand. You have to what? The kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. Say it's a spiritual kingdom. You seek it first. You will suffer tribulation. We need to preach it. We need to pray for it. You need to work in it. Amen. So we looked at, we looked at Esther. We looked at the, the word you. We looked at the word time. And we've looked at the word kingdom. Some of you here are relatively new. And, you know, I haven't had really, uh, some, some of you haven't had really time to spend a lot of time with to get to know, and I want to. You have gifts. You're needed here. So don't get impatient. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. You need to, you know, you know your gift will make room for you. You don't need to make room for your gift. Your gift. It'll be quite evident in the days ahead where you shine. It'll be quite evident in the days ahead your giftings, what you're good at. Kathy's helped me a long time ago, and she, she reminds me of this once, a, once in a while. And this would be good for you to listen. Some people are people-oriented. And some people are task-oriented. I guess I'm a good mixture of both. I like to work. And I love people. One minister said the ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. I'm not that way. I do genuinely love people. Especially ones at work. I don't really, I'm not drawn to lazy people. Thank you. I like people that work. But you're either people-oriented or task-oriented, so you have to discover where you fit. Some people are good with people. They can talk to people. It's easy for them. I've embarrassed Micah and Caleb through the years. We go, total strangers, I'll just start talking to them. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me nervous. 
And they get nervous sometimes. Because they know I'm going to do something. I'm going to talk to somebody, a total stranger. Then there are people that are, they don't want to talk to people. And sometimes I fit there too. You do too. I want to get involved. I want to put my hands to something. I want to work. We need both those kinds of people here. People that, that are, can, when we get new people come in, they're not embarrassed. They're not, you know, scared to go talk to somebody and welcome them here, shake their hand and hug their neck. We need people like that. That's how you build a church. I'll pick on Robert. Robert's quiet. Oh, but he does, does he know how to work? You know, when you got him, you got a worker. He don't say much. He doesn't talk a lot like you. But that man works. And he's good at what he does. And I support his business regularly. Our whole family. Yeah. So find out what you are good at, what you're not good at, and just do it. Amen? Steve, you're a people person. There's no doubt. You can talk to people, can't you? Well, you were in business all those years. That helped. But you're also a worker. To stand up this morning. We need you. Well, I'm not an Esther. I'm not a Noah. No but you're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. We don't need more than one Esther. Amen? We don't need another Noah. Just be you. I'm going I'm to read this over you. This is prophetic. This is a great book. I just love this book. And it's entitled, Born to Stand Out. So, I want you to listen to these words. I want them to sink down into your spirit. We decree you shall not live your days blending in, but standing out. We say you shall shine and be promoted to represent God's kingdom. May you only experience the seasons of hiding that come from the Lord and not those that come from the enemy who would try and keep you pushed down and held back. We decree you are being drawn out of obscurity into God's limelight of influence. I like that. That's what happened to Esther. We say that the unique role that you have been ordained by God to play comes to its fullest measure of effectiveness. We say you have been born for such a time as this and you shall stand out with a unique message and anointing. We say people are drawn to you and that you shall excel and emerge into an exceptional vessel of His glory, and that the name of the Lord shall be glorified in you and through you. You were born to stand.
stand out. But pastor, you don't know the way, what, the way it used to be and what I am right now. Quit listening to the devil. Get your mind renewed to the word of God. I tell you what, you young people, you've got some exciting days ahead of you. Just discover who you are in Christ. Discover your giftings. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this body of believers today. I thank you, Lord God, the same spirit of God that worked in Esther, that worked in Noah, that worked with all the great men and women of God in the Bible. You're no respecter of persons. Lord, I look at these people and I see sons and daughters of the Most High God. Oh, Holy Spirit, help them discern and recognize who they are in Christ Jesus. The gifts and the graces that you've poured out upon every one of these people. Lord, let those gifts and graces come forth in the days ahead. I call these people vessels of honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, and prepared for every good work ahead. Oh, Holy Spirit, help them grasp and understand the love of the Father that you have ordained for us a destiny to fulfill. Help us, Lord, fight for, focus on, and fulfill our spiritual destiny individually as believers. And help us, Lord, by your Spirit, focus and fight for and fulfill the destiny that we have here corporately. We worship you. We love you, Father. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to finish that good work that the Father's begun in all of us here this day. In the name of Jesus. Let me see every hand. Okay, put your hands down. Let me see everyone that would say today, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. All right, that's good. You're hearing a lot of stuff. And I'm telling you, when we go to get ice cream, what do I get every time? Vanilla. I'm vanilla. She's chocolate. And you need both. And this woman needs to speak up more in the days ahead. And, I, and I, she, she does at home. How many of you men go, yeah. I told her for years, honey, you've got a lot to say to share with the people. So you need to pray for her. That those gifts come forth. You might not like everything she says like I do. <laughs> At home. <laughs> but you need to realize we, we, you've, you've got to put a pull on the gifts. Oh, we've got our marching orders. Is there anyone here today, you're, you're sick in your body, you need prayer, your physical body? How how are we doing? How's Reed? Is he eating? Oh, sweetie pie. Father, in the name 
Thank you, Father, for the anointing. Oh, Lord, you know his little body, what it needs right now. We speak to his body. Healing, health, and strength. We say, Lord God, that Reed shall assimilate all nourishment into his body and will continue to grow and put on weight in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You sent your word to heal him. We thank you, Lord God, for strength. We take authority over any fear, anxiety in Jesus' name, and we loose your peace upon this family. We say, read your blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tiny. I wake you up. Your tailbone. In the name of Jesus Christ, for healing is in the name. You said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. So we loose healing anointing into her back, her backbone. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your goodness and mercy today. For Beth, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Once more, and then we'll go. Father, we thank you for your presence. You're the ultimate Father, and we love you. And we honor you. And we want to serve you, Lord, with all of our being in the days ahead. So thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy for all of us to work together to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, go take Dad out for lunch if you want to risk your life. Amen. 